There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medicine have been destroyed by Big Pharma. We're in the dark ages of true healing. After all, it's not just about living long, it's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Now prepare to have your consciousness explode into the next evolutionary stage of human existence with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Stockwell. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And we are here with podcast number 57, Mental Health Microbes and Mom. So if you guys have anybody that has mental health problems, and I'm not talking crazy mental health, but just depression, anxiety that they just can't seem to control, claustrophobia, schizophrenia, that's a big one, but just general gloom, have them tune in. This is going to be a really incredible podcast. Yes. And in addition to this podcast, we are giving away a free symptom survey to our podcast subscribers. Yeah, and this is only for the podcast subscribers. Nobody else gets this. So this is exciting. It's a personalized survey of your symptoms. So you go in and you'll fill out a, a sheet basically online with your symptoms. And it's nearly about 200 questions. And then you send that to us. And this enables us to send you a personalized supplement recommendation based on your symptoms. Yes, this will be as, as personal for you as your fingerprints are. Yeah, because your symptoms are different than other people's. So it's so much better than trying to guess what supplements you should be on. This is personalized. It actually saves you money in the long run, so you're not buying supplements you don't need. We, we'll spend almost an hour oh, yes. on this. And it could be filled out by, uh, excuse me, not filled out, but it could be, the protocol could be recommended by me or Jack, or we have two incredible nutritionists on staff that will do it also. But Jack and I will look over every single personalized symptom survey that yes. we send to you. And this is normally at least a $150 charge. It's a lot more if I do it, but it's normally a $150 charge. And because you subscribed as our podcast audience, we're going to give it to you for free. I don't know how long we'll do this, Jack, but. Well, until we're overburdened. Uh, <laughs> just the other day, we had, I think, 25 come in in one day. So our nutritionists were working overtime just to try to deal with that. Yeah. So, and you know, this is, you know, and since you're a subscriber, you can get it for free. And at the end of this podcast, we'll tell you how you can get this survey at no charge. There's no obligation. You know, it's you, the, the, the results of the survey will tell you what we think you need to do supplement-wise and food-wise. And whether you decide to do it or not is your business. We're, we're just offering this for free as an appreciation to show appreciation for your listenership to our podcast. I mean, for Pete's sake, what is this? This is number 57. Yeah. We've been doing this for a year. Yeah, but this is a serious survey. I mean, I don't... I we'll spend some serious time on it for you. So, you know, when you're serious enough about this, fill out the survey. It's not just something you're just mildly curious because we will really take care of you in this. And it's truly at least a $150 charge for the amount of time that we will spend on it, but we're going to give it to you for free. 
So keep listening. Let's jump into our podcast. Today, it's on mental health, microbes, and mom. And of course, we always go to the gut. We've been, we are gut gap certified practitioners, both Jack and myself. And our clinic is a gap certified clinic. And gaps is much more than a diet. We've talked about it quite a bit, how it reboots your body, how it gets you, gets you going again, how it, it's the foundational part of health. It's like the roots of a tree that the, the microbes inside of you. And Jack, tell them how many microbes we have inside of us. I'm going to count them starting now. One, two, three. I'll have to get up to about 400 trillion. Wow. Neuroanatomists tell us that we have inside of our bodies all nerve cells, heart cells, blood cells, uh, tissue cells, muscle cells, everything else, somewhere between 35 to 38 trillion cells. Those who study the gut enterologists, enterology, neuroscientists, the connection between the gut and brain tell us there's as many as, get this, 400 times. As many, no, no, I think it's 100 times. 100 it's times. 100 times. Yeah, 100 times more bacteria, bacteria than there yeah. are cells in the body. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse there's me. There's 100 that, times more bacterial genes than human genes. That takes us up to approximately 400 trillion life forms inside of us. A hundred times, we're just a shell. We're just a shell for these life forms. And you, as you said earlier, we ignore this at our peril. So why don't we jump right into one of the most exciting articles we have read in a long time? This article from Neuroscientist News, mm -hmm. the one that we want to talk about during this show. This is the whole idea behind uh, microbes, uh, mood and mom. And this is from, uh, you can, if you go to neuroscientistnews.com, you can get into this yourself because some of these articles that are starting to come out now, the, the link between the health of the gut and depression, the link between the health of the gut and mental disorders, you know, everybody, you know, everybody knows gut feeling. Well, why'd you do that? Well, I had a feeling in my gut I should do this. Well, why did you do this? Well, I it's just my intuition. I just I just have this feeling this is something that I should do. Those of you who are or have been called up to speak publicly, what what happened just before you, you what happened at the moment someone said, uh Karen, uh can you come up here to the microphone for a minute and address the crowd on what we were talking where Karen has no preparation whatsoever for this. What Butterflies. Oh, I can't do this. You know, when her stomach goes <laughs> up and you know, this is this is coming from the gut. Well, and, let me can I can I just jump in here for just sure. a second? This is the brain gut connection and this is what differentiates us from the animals. Let me give you a little quick example. When my grandson was 18 months old, he was my daughter was filming him in the bathtub and he saw this orange bar of soap and his face all lit up and he got excited and he grabs the bar of soap and where did it go right in his mouth where all anything you put in a child's hands goes right in their mouth 
And of course, he burst into tears because it didn't taste good. And at that moment, he became not like the animals. At that moment, his brain connected with his gut through his, you know, him tasting this and said, oh, that's bad. Now, you can't really talk to an 18-month-old. I mean, you can a little bit, but you can't sit there and give him a big, long lecture on why this soap, don't touch this soap because it's going to taste bad. No, he tasted it and he learned. He had that brain-gut connection and he learned, I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's when he became aware. That's the brain-gut connection that we're talking about that is so important that it's developed properly in a baby human child. Now, with that having been said, we're talking about the gut, uh, also referred to as the bowels. There's a very interesting um, scripture in the uh, King James Version of 1 John 3.17, and it says this, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother having need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Now, I don't want this to turn into a Sunday school lesson, but the bowels of compassion, those who are familiar with the Judeo-Christian scriptures, will see occasionally references to the bowels of compassion. Now, that's what this neuroscientist article gets into. Well, it's very important. It keeps us safe. You know, when enemies are coming up behind us, you know, the hair on the back of our neck goes up. That's that's this kind of gut. Neural reflex between the gut and the brain. Yes, where you're part of the world and it keeps you safe. It also keeps you happy because you can stay away from scary people or there's other people that you get by and you have this gut feeling, oh, he's a nice person. Well, this article gets into what's known as the Human Microbiome Project. And the, and the funny thing about all of this, uh, and Mary, you were the first one to point this out to me, is that they're treating this like some new discovery. Yeah. This is what Dr. McBride has been doing for over 20 years. Now, yeah. that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast, the Human Microbiome Project. And what they're doing is that they're finding the role between the flora in the gut and the development of a host of diseases. Now, where have you heard, where have you heard that? If this all is the first, uh, yeah, yeah. all of our podcasts, we get into this in almost all of our podcasts for a year now, and in, including mental health disorders, as Mary said, anxiety, depression, autism spectrum disorders, even schizophrenia connected with the health of the gut. You know, we had a patient that had schizophrenia. Yes. I think he had three different personalities, and it's all gone. I mean, this can truly be, I, I, hate, I hesitate to use the word cure. Go ahead. But as this, this article you're going to hear later on states that it can completely reverse autism. That's what the article says. Now, we've been saying that forever. But this patient of ours, it completely reversed his schizophrenia. I mean, that's stunning. Yeah, he said that, he said that the last time he was in the office. Yeah, so I don't, I don't is, feel the presence of these other personalities anymore. Yeah, he actually said that he misses them. <laughs> yes, they, they've been gone. They, they were a significant part of his personality in his life, and now that they're gone, he misses them. That's, yeah. a, that's a very interesting thing to say. And so, as, as this article is pointing out, these bacterial cells are 10 times 
more prevalent than our own bodily cells. And the genes are a hundred times, as Mary said, more bacterial uh, genes present than human genes. And so the gastroenterologists, the gastro meaning stomach, enteric meaning the gut itself, have known for decades that this, this microbiome plays a very large role in the overall health of the body because the, these bacteria live and breathe. They eat and detoxify and have bodily wastes, even though they're one cell, and those things get in the food mix of what you're eating that goes through the idea of, of chewing uh, your food enough is to turn this into soup. It gets into a hydrochloric acid bath in the stomach. It get hits with pancreatic enzymes in the small intestine. And so by the time it gets to this point, as we have discussed in other podcasts, this great disassembly plant that the human digestive system has turns this stuff into a liquid soup as it goes through the gut. And that nourishes the bacteria. The bacteria are living off of what you eat every bit as much as you are. <clears throat> and so as the bacteria process these foods and then have bodily wastes that they throw back out into the soup, that stuff gets absorbed into your bloodstream. And it's not all bad. Secretions that come out of these cells, these cells just don't eat and poop. These cells have processes inside of themselves that exude out through the cell wall to the material around it that signals other bacteria, but it also provides us with B vitamins, it provides us with some amino acids, and it provides us with some other things that turn your immune system on. Now, as we've talked about in other podcasts, and Mary, you interrupt me anytime you feel like you need to, we've talked about the GALT, the gut symptom, the, the gut the gut associated uh, lymphoid, lymphoid tissue. In other words, the lymph that lines the walls of your gut, your barrier to the outside world, so to speak, is where the majority of your immune system is. And so because of what comes out of the bacteria, good bacteria or bad bacteria, your immune system is affected by this to some degree or another. But also your hormonal system, things that trigger the hormones, things that trigger the HPA axis that we've talked about in the past, the hypothalamus-pituitary-adrenal relationship that has the endocrine control of your whole body. These things are affected by what these bacteria do and don't do. And then, and then again, the enteric nervous system, the nervous system that exists inside your gut. And you may already be aware, if you haven't listened to a lot of our podcasts from other sources, that there is brain tissue in the gut. And when you think about this, this one concept here, what gets absorbed or doesn't get absorbed in the gut keeps the entire rest of the body alive, including the brain. Well, we talked uh, about this with the proteins in our last pod podcast. Yes. And the brain needs to know what is going on in the gut. The gut needs to tell the brain what is going on so the brain can signal various kinds of processes to take place that will allow for better digestion and better absorption of the good foods that we're eating. And so you probably have heard of the vagus nerve. It's the 10th cranial nerve. It is the nerve that just kind of keeps the system rolling it doesn't speed up. It doesn't slow down. It just keeps things moving at a general pace. Heart, lungs, digestion, absorption, all these things as though you were just, 
you know, sitting on the front porch, you know, watching the corn ripen out in the field kind of a thing, rather than running for your life. And 85% of that nerve's function, 85%, is information coming from the gut back into the brain. Only 15% of the vagus nerve, vagal reflex, vagal stimulation, different types of, of descriptions you've heard, only 15% is information coming from the brain regulating the heart, regulating breathing, regulating digestion, regulating absorption. 85% is information telling the brain what the heck is really going on down below the head. Now, what this report in this neuroscience news says is that they have discovered, in fact, they've known for some time, what lives inside of our gut affects the information coming back to the brain. That's the brain-gut connection. And yes, that we have referred to so many times. And so this crosstalk, this, this banter, like Mary and I talking back and forth here, this crosstalk going back and forth between the gut and the brain takes place through this vagus nerve. And because of its effect, homeostasis, which is balance, it's just simply balance between speeding up, slowing down, speeding up, slowing down. That's what regulates this balance inside the system. <clears throat> and this is one reason, I believe, why chiropractic has had such a tremendous impact on internal health. A lot of people think of chiropractors as just, you know, back doctors, back crackers. This, no, no, we're nerve doctors. Our specialty is the nervous system. And because the central part of your nervous system is housed inside the spine as well as the skull, that's our closest access to the nervous system. So that's why spinal work is done by chiropractors and because the part that speeds up the system comes out of the spine, not the vagus nerve that comes down through the throat and along in between the heart and the lungs into the digestive system. <clears throat> in fact, it goes down through the diaphragm right beside your esophagus into the gut. Uh, that's the part that slows us down. The part that speeds us up, the sympathetic nervous system comes out of the spine. And yes, because but you can have a beautifully balanced nervous system and structure through a chiropractic corrections and adjustments, but if you don't have the right bacteria and good bacteria and you know a healthy microbiome inside of you, you won't have good immune signaling, you won't have good endocrine signaling, and the most important, what we're talking about in this podcast, is the enteric nervous system, the neurotransmitters that are produced by the gut. Yes. The serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins. And the GABA, the GABA a neurotransmitter that actually allows us to calm down, especially in moments of stress. The kinds of stress that releases cortisol from the adrenals kind of winds us up and ties us up in order to handle stress, to be able to jump, run, uh, speak, yell, scream, whatever we have to do to survive that stressful moment. Yes. GABA calms that down. GABA is one of the things that are produced in the gut that is controlled to a large degree, according to this recent science report that's connected with the National Institutes of Health, NIH, where your tax dollars go so, to pay for this research, that that GABA, the thing that slows us, oh, the thing that slows us down and calms us down, is also triggered by the kind of flora that's in the gut. So if you have a mom, this is where the mom comes into yes. this. If you have a mom that is has these symptoms of having a bad gut, anxiety, can't calm herself down, 
flies off at the handle. Yeah, you don't. You want to get that woman healthy before she gets pregnant, and if she's already pregnant, all the more reason to get her gut biome healthy. So when she nurses that baby, that baby will get um, good flora in its gut. This is really critical. That's why when you see a, you know, a very unhealthy woman, emotionally unhealthy woman, have a baby, they'll often have emotionally unhealthy children. And that's what this report points out. Yeah. That the studies that they're doing now, and they're now they're 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 referring to it as psychobiotics. Doctor McBride called it gaps, gut and psychology syndrome. Isn't that fabulous? They're late to the party. They're late to the party, but they think <laughs> but, they they're the ones that started it. Now I'm grateful to see this. I'm grateful to see science finally rediscovering what Hippocrates said that Dr. McBride rediscovered over 20 years ago, that the health of the gut affects not only the health of the body, but your mental state, as Mary's pointing out here. And so there's this paradigm shift that's starting to show up now in neuroscience. And um, this Dr. John Cryan, C-R-Y-A-N, from, from a university in Ireland, who is one of the people pioneering this, says, I think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote him here, where he says this, it will change the way psychiatrists ultimately treat mental health disorders. Well, I hope so, because <clears throat> earlier in the article, they talk about they're trying to understand what causes these diseases. And I'm talking about autism, depression, schizophrenia. They're trying to understand what causes these diseases in order to find more effective treatments. Now, see... This is kind of this is our tagline on our website is we're looking for the cause of health not the cause of diseases. These these researchers are trying to I mean I I'm glad they're doing this but unfortunately instead of using the word rebuild and restore they're trying to find a treatment in other words that's what I'm, medicine does. Medicine I know, treats I know. disease. So they see an imbalance of the gut flora where there's more bad than good as a disease rather than something that's just the result of our dietary history. Well, it's like hormone replacement therapy. You know, they, they treat it. They go in and they do a blood test and they say, oh, you're low in progesterone. So they throw in progesterone or, you know, you're, you know, they, you're low in T3 which means you can't convert your T4 to T3, but they don't think, well, let's rebuild the endocrine system and the thyroid. And no, they throw in T3. So this is what's scaring me here is, you know, but, but at least they'll throw in real bugs. They won't throw in something synthetic. Um, but even still, they're, they're going about it backwards in our opinion. What we're teaching you on this podcast is you can't figure out the, I mean, maybe they're going to try and map all these bacteria and it's going to take, you know, years, but they're going to try to do it. And then they're going to say, oh, you're really low in bifidobacteria, uh, bifo, let's see, I can never say bifidobacteria, bifidobacteria, which is so critical. And then they're going to give you that exact bacteria. That's good. That's okay. But how about if we went very, very foundationally foundational and, and let your own body figure out what it needs. And uh, to think that the only good bacteria is bifidobacteria or lactobacillus yes. is missing the point. 
I saw a report here recently where they think that there is as many as 1,000 or more variants of bacterial population in the microbiome. A thousand species. What we what we're interested in are the ones that have been studied that show uh, higher populations of this kind of bacteria yield a much healthier profile in the person that has that good bacteria, as opposed to somebody who's loaded up with bad bacteria. Now, this is this is kind of revolutionary in the medical world because they don't look they haven't looked at these things outside of research. You don't go to an internist today because you're having severe digestive problems and the internist says to you, "Well, we need to take a look at your microbiome." What yeah. they want to do is they want to give you proton pump inhibitors. Uh, they're going to do something that stops acid formation, they're going to do something that stops bleeding from an ulcerative gut wall and manage the symptoms rather than, as Mary said, go to the underlying foundational problem that really exists. Yeah, they're, tr- they're still trying to find treatments. It, it, rather than realizing the body can treat itself, if you, if you stop giving it what's irritating it and causing inflammation, and you give it what will allow it to heal. And so this is so cool here in the science now of, of neurochemistry that they are being, uh, the, well, the, the term they've come up with is psychobiotics. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's, that's Dr. McBride's term. <clears throat> that's Dr. McBride. And so that they have, they have now moved into an area and they have NIH funding, the National Institute of Health, which is, you know, they're the ones that control most of the grants and the studies that go on in medical research around the country. This is so vital to understand how science is now moving into this world. That's cool, though. It really is. I'm, I'm happy for it. Well, it is. And so the studies now that they're doing are showing this link between the presence of certain bacteria and altered gene expression in the brain. I mean, the mechanisms are still unknown according to their research, but they've recognized, wow, the wrong bacteria even affects the expression of genes in the brain. If you've listened to a previous podcast, we've talked about how they've identified some, I think, 40,000 or more genes in the human body. Uh, and the DNA that, that, that is, makes up the genes in our body. <clears throat> the DNA in your lung is the same as the DNA in your liver, the same as the DNA in your kneecap. It's the same as the DNA in your brain. But the reason the brain looks like the brain and the liver looks like the liver is because certain genes get expressed, other genes don't get expressed. And so that's how we have the diversity of the different types of tissue that's in our body. Well, there are, we know that the BRCA1 and the BRCA2 genes can stimulate the presence of breast cancer. They don't have to, but -hmm. that's one of the big scares about breast cancer. Oh, you've got to go get your genes checked and see if you have BRCA1 and BRCA2. But just because you do doesn't mean those genes have to be expressed. And so what they've said in this study is that the presence of certain bacteria uh, is related to altered gene expression in the brain. Now, what does that mean? Could this be Alzheimer's? Could this be autism? These are the questions that they're, they're asking right now. Even just the body, the, the brain's ability to get rid of its own garbage. In other words, when it processes oxygen, when it processes foods, when it processes amino acids and fats and the different kinds of foods we put into our body, the brain has to get rid of the metabolites, the downstream product, you know, our, the poop, the poop of the cells 
function. Okay, let's just say that what it is. <clears throat> They're saying other neurodegenerative diseases besides Alzheimer's may be related to the inability of the brain to get this stuff out of them because there may be some altered gene expression in the brain. In other words, the gene, the expression of the genes that lead to health are somehow affected negatively by the presence of bad bacteria in the gut. I mean, this is, this is, this is like finding the, 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 the stones that the 10 commandments were written on there at the base of Mount Sinai. I mean, this, this is, Oh, look, the Ten Commandments must be real. Here's the stones. It's signed by Moses. It's right here on the laying here in the dust. They've missed this. That's what this is to well, the neuroscience what? brain connection, gut connection uh, community. What? They they <clears throat> they goofed in this article because they they let it out. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mary saw that first. Tell them about it. Yeah. There's something cool in here. You know how I'm always saying inflammation is not the dirty words doctors say it is. Inflammation is your body sending blood to a part of the body that needs to heal. Well, the big uh, fad right now is that inflammation causes everything from cancer to every problem in the whole body. We got to get rid of inflammation. This is one of this is one of the most stupid things that we're doing now. It's like stopping acid in our gut. I mean, they're going to laugh at us a hundred years from now that we ever tried to stop acid in the stomach. I mean, acid is life. It's like, so, it's like trying to blame the house on fire on the fire alarm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's getting the, 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 the cart before the horse as, as yes, often and, happens in our society. Yeah. And so there are now, now the big thing, now the big fad is that inflammation is the worst thing in the world. Well, this, this article comes out and it says, these microbes also release molecules that can change neurochemistry. Additionally, they can cause localized inflammation, whereby immune cells re release immune signaling molecules, another way to alter downstream signaling and host immunity. In other words, that's a big fancy way to say that these cells trigger inflammation. And why? They're saying it's a good thing they trigger inflammation. Because, because it stimulates healing. It, it stimulates immune cells because those immune cells will release signaling molecules that trigger healing. Immune cells don't just go after the bad guys, they found out now. Immune cells will also trigger healing in the area where the immunity has been triggered. Yeah, and what brings <clears throat> healing to an area? Blood. Blood brings the healing nutrients, and there it brings inflammation. And then to quote again from the article, these immune signaling molecules can then alter brain function. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Not, you got to have inflammation. I mean, you have to. I mean, well, the and idea, then, and it, then what's the number one prescribed drug is anti-inflammatories, which stop healing. It's stunning. It's like two plus two is four. It's like, really? You're going to stop sending blood to a part of the body that needs to heal so you get them out of pain? So inflammation should be a temporarily experienced situation. Uh, yeah. It's not supposed to go on and go on and go on and go on and go on. And why does it? Why does it go on and go on? And then it becomes, of course, very bad. Well, it's it's very much direct uh, regulated by our dietary intake. Our diet. Yeah. It's like Dr. McBride calls it a never-ending ulcer. 
where we rip up our arteries. You know, our body is constantly trying to heal us. I mean, it's 24-7. It's your best friend. It's always getting in there and trying to heal, heal, heal. And it can't if it doesn't have the right nutrients. And if you're constantly eating sugar, that is putting insulin into your bloodstream all the time. And that is going to just continually rip up your um, insides, basically. So you you become insulin resistant. It's like, you know, you burn all the nerve endings off your hand. You know, I mean, talk about inflammation. So in that respect, when you can't heal the inflammation, when the inflammation does not stop, because it should be self-limiting, when it doesn't stop, then inflammation is the dirty words doctors say it is. But you still don't want to stop the inflammation. You want to help out the reason for the inflammation. And you do that, of course, with good healing fats and good protein, as we talked about in our last podcast. Yes. And so... Think about that. Think about neurotransmitters are the language of the nervous system. Neurotransmitters cause nerves to speed up their function or slow down their function as they stimulate organs to release hormones or to release acids or to absorb acids, to neutralize acids, to make things alkaline, to make things acidic, to affect the the, uh, the exchange of oxygen, carbon dioxide in the lungs trying to maintain homeostasis, trying to maintain balance inside the body that's controlled by the nervous system. Nerves speak to one another through neurotransmitters. And so part of the brilliance of the results of this study is they're finding out that these bacteria that are in our gut, that we live with in a community, are very much involved with the production of these neurotransmitters in the gut, serotonin, and dopamine, the major neurotransmitters of human existence, human thought, human communication. So there's four main types of bacteria that this article talks about, and there you get to say them, honey. Firmicutus, bacteriotis, <laughs> actinobacteria, and proteobacteria. And while we can, you know, it's we need these species. They, they play a very important role in metabolizing our food, uh, uh, establishing, promoting immunity, protecting us against the bad bacteria. As uh, Dr. McBride so often says, the bad bacteria is kept at bay by the good bacteria as long as we foster the dietary changes that allow the growth of the good bacteria. But, they, but these things, they, they produce uh, various chemical compounds. They produce vitamins. They produce hormones. And this uh, that we find in in, uh, uh, probiotics, various bacterial strains that actually will help to rebalance the gut community. This is coming out of neuroscience research. This isn't coming out of our office, although we've talked about it for some time because of what we've learned from Dr. McBride and our own uh, pre and post conditions that we have observed in our patients who have gone after rebuilding the the microbiome in their gut. But the, the accumulating evidence out there now is that it's not just what we eat and drink, it's the stress that's placed upon us, as Mary was saying there earlier, about the conditions a mother should be under when she's pregnant, because it will have a... Remember, while she's pregnant, you don't just have a baby growing inside mama. The gut is developing. The nervous system is developing. Neurotransmitters are developing. 
And that relationship between the baby's gut and the brain is developing even inside mama's womb. Well, you can tell if a woman is balanced, if she can calm herself down. But if the anxiety stops, oh, good and point. It, just, it just never, the anxiety starts, excuse me, and it just never stops, then there's, there's a problem. You know, I truly think that when women get pregnant, that's when maternity leave should start. That's when they should not be working 24-7. High-stress jobs. You know, yes. uh, in, uh, at the risk of sounding sexist or something like that, for some reason, nature selected the female of the species to bear our young. And so as we have learned from historical conditions, we've learned from primitive tribes, what do they do with a woman who gets pregnant in some of the more primitive areas of our planet. They get the best food. They get the best food. They get babies. You know, I just read an article in the New York Times about a lady that her baby died of SID, sudden infant death syndrome, at three months. And it was just heartbreaking. But she worked up until the night before she had her baby. She said that there's these massive projects she had to get done. And then she only had three weeks off for maternity leave. Excuse me, three months. She had three months off for maternity leave. The day she dropped her baby off at the daycare after the maternity leave was over was the day her baby died of SID. And you have to wonder, you know, personally, it didn't say anything in there about vaccinations, which I'm, you know, it was her first baby. She was probably the perfect mom. And, you know, at three, two months had the baby's vac- baby vaccinated, which is ridiculous because you can't even make, you know, antibodies until they're 12 months old. But I don't know. The article didn't say if the baby was vaccinated or not. But with this woman, this mother, working up until the ninth second, you know, <laughs> yes. and, then, and then taking three months off, and then the day she goes back to work and put her baby in daycare, the baby died of SIDS, and it's, it was heartbreaking. It was just, it was, I mean, I was sobbing by the end of the article. But you wonder how much effect working for those nine months had on the baby's floor because the baby got the floor from the mother. And, and another thing is that there was this study back in 2004, uh, and it was they were dealing with mice, but they showed an exaggerated hypothalamic pituitary adrenal stress response, the HPA axis that, that we've talked about before. It's the relationship between the hypothalamus that actually produces peptides and throws them into the bloodstream to help us deal with stressful situations. And then the pituitary that has a direct influence on the adrenals, and then the ad- adrenals itself in releasing, in releasing the hormones, uh, the corticosteroid hormones that help us to deal with stress, what they found in these mice is that they could calm down the HPA axis, which means they could calm down they the stressful condition. They reversed it. Let's, let's, they reversed they it. Reversed, like cure. Let me put. Let me put it simple. They reversed these nutty, insane mice in which well, these, they, these they had created, a, they created yeah. a situation in these mice so that they had an exaggerated HPA access. So the slightest bit of stress that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't bother the control mice, it sent these mice through the roof. And well, when they rebuilt their guts with Bifobacterium infantis, which is normally found in the gut, but these test mice didn't have it. So when they loaded these mice up with Bifobacteria infantis, they completely reversed their nutty, 
crazy, insane state. Now, how do you measure that in mice? Well, you have a control, like anything else, you have a control group that you watch and compare it to the group that you're altering their biochemistry. Well, yes. And these mice were bred to not have a natural microbiome. Yes. They were basically bred to be germ-free mice, which, of course, you can't survive. Well, let's, let's think about this, Mary. Are we breeding children now to have an altered microbiome? Well, we're breeding children. We have grandmothers that weren't nursed. germ-free. I mean, all Mother- these antibacterial soaps they have everywhere. I mean, that's- You can't go into a supermarket now without finding that little thing that you, the, the little towels you wipe off the handle of the supermarket yeah, cart crazy. with. If you can't live in your own environment, your own supermarket, with the germs that are around you, that's, that's crazy, nutty stuff. So you have to build up your gut inside of you because 80 to 85% of your immune system is in your gut. So you can walk into a grocery store. You know, I'm in New York City and I see, I mean, the subways, I mean, everything is so filthy. I saw a mouse run across the subway tracks yesterday and I'm in a rat, I guess. I guess it wasn't a mouse. And, you know, I mean, the germs that are here, that's why maybe New Yorkers are so tough because they've... They, you know, they've got eight million people here, and their gut has to be able to handle this kind of onslaught. Well, let's let's uh, we're kind of uh, we're kind of getting long here in this podcast. So why don't we take a few moments here and talk about autism, because because of the indications of autism that this study brings up. Well, they said that if you know if it's all kinds of events affect it, which they're now admitting to that if the baby has had lots of antibiotics or whether it was vaginally or cesarean born or if the baby is breastfed. Can you believe that? Yeah. They yeah. talk about whether the baby came through the birth canal to pick up the mother's bacteria or it was born with the bacteria that's on the hands of the people that take care of the baby without having mama's bacteria given to that baby. And if they weren't breastfed. So, Mary, what does that mean? A baby that was, let, let, let's start with grandma, who was born in the 1920s. She wasn't breastfed. Then she has a child born in the 1950s who wasn't, the girl wasn't breastfed. And then yes. she had a daughter born in the 1980s that wasn't breastfed that is now having a baby born through cesarean. What does that mean? According to this study, that's that's a a train wreck waiting to happen for autism, and that's, that's for autism, means. and that's for not autism. coming from and us. What do we have? So in Utah, I think Jack, it's one in twenty-two male babies born will be in Utah will be autistic. Yeah, one one child in twenty-two. Remember what those numbers were twenty years ago? Oh yeah, one in ten thousand. One in ten thousand. Now it's one in 22 in the state of Utah. One in six couples are infertile now in but the state of Utah. this article says it can be completely reversed. They use the term reversed. Now, is that, isn't that what that propelled thing. Dr. McBride into fame and, and notoriety? She cured. So, she had a nonverbal autistic child. So even as an MD, she went back to school in neurology and in nutrition. And found a way, and she said she healed her son's autism. She reversed it. This study says a recent study out of microbiologist Dr. Sarkis Mazamanian's lab at Caltech 
showed that a strain of bacteria giving, given early in life could reverse autism-like symptoms and behavior in mice. So what does, can you give me a synonym of reverse when it comes to the human body, <laughs> like maybe cure? Yeah, and McBride talks about how it needs to be within the first five years to have optimal cure rates. Yes. Um, she, she says up to about, after age 20, um, she doesn't see as good a results. But I have, I mean, the patient in our office with the schizophrenia, Yes, I've I've seen it. I I I, I the body con- continually surprises me. And since we're mostly bacteria, going to the gut, fixing that. All right, I I, I can't I, do anything but help you. I want to I want to quote. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and no no no. Go ahead. I just want to quote uh, Masmanian again here, who was the fellow who was doing part of this study at Caltech, and. Quote, further, we have discovered, among other things, that gut bacteria produce molecules that leak out of the intestine and into the circulation and that specific microbial molecules. In other words, these things that these microbes produce as byproducts besides bacterial poop, they're producing other things that come out of their body, goes through the wall of the gut, and then to continue the quote, that specific microbial molecules affect higher order neurological functions, such as complex behaviors, including anxiety. There's the mom in our podcast. So if you have a mom or a potential mom that has massive anxiety or any other neurological type symptom, like Dr. McBride says right on the cover of her book, schizophrenia, dyspraxia, depression, dyslexia she she puts in there that's on the cover i don't have the cover in front of me right now but um if you have a if you have a potential mom or you have a mom that is pregnant now and has these issues then you need to jump into the gut as fast and as quickly as you can if you've already had the baby and has these issues the autism and you know the different syndrome, so to speak. They're calling them diseases, which I don't know if I agree with. But um, They're just symptoms and, of malnutrition yeah. as manifested through an altered gut microbiome. Then you need to jump in with... Yes. Now, so, so what we recommend, um, at the very least, you've got to get in and you've got to heal and seal the gut. This is like a reboot of your system. At yes. the very least, least, you need to take therapeutic doses of probiotics. After reading this article and realizing we have 400 trillion, I mean, you, the human be- brain can't even comprehend that. 400 trillion of microbes inside of us. I mean, to take one probiotic is like a drop in an ocean. It's like a hair in an ocean. Who's going to notice that? So you've got to take therapeutic doses. We recommend prescriptosis. Um, we recommend three different types of probiotics in our clinic. Um, but if you fill out that symptom survey, we'll give you the type that we feel like you need the most. Prescriptocyst is one of them. Um, there's two others that we use in different different times, depending on what your symptoms are. Do you know? Do you know how? Oh, I'm, I have to interrupt you because I just did a little calculation here on my cell phone. Do you know how many bacteria are in your gut relative to the human population of this planet? There's enough bacteria in your gut, Mary, one of 7 billion people on this planet, 
for every single person on this planet to have 80,000 of your bacteria. For wow. every and it's not person. just in your gut, honey. It's in your eyes and your nose and your... It's on your skin. It's on your skin. It's, it's in your throat. Outside. It's in your lymph. It's in the blood. It's in the lungs. It's in, the, it's in your liver. It's in your kidneys. It's in your I bladder. You're just a big walking microbe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and we think we're the highest life form on the planet. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we may just be, we may just be robots for the bacteria that live in the gut. <laughs> oh, that would be a theme for a great science fiction movie. Yeah, because, yeah, when we die, we're So not... I'm sorry I interrupted you. Let's get back okay. to what we recommend so, because so anybody... Grab your pen. Grab your pen. Grab your pen. And pen. these four things down. Okay, the I'm grabbing my pen. The most important, of course, is some type of probiotic. We recommend prescriptocyst. There's also BioCult and there's also prosymbiotic. Um, from standard process. Which is why we suggest for people on an ongoing basis that they alternate these. Well, no, I suggested in an order. And when we get your symptom survey, I'll be able to tell. Okay. Uh, yes, I stand corrected. Yeah. You're right. Prosymbiotic right. has some prebiotic inulin in it, which is good fiber that bacteria live off of, but it, bad bacteria can live off it also. So I don't usually start off with that, but it depends on what your symptom survey will say. Then the second thing, there's the, the next three products are so critical to enable you to break down proteins and break down fats also, although I don't really have a fat emulsifier in here, but it helps your pancreas out. So in other words, you've got to be able to break down the proteins you're eating and emulsify the fats so you can rebuild the gut flora with all this you know, therapeutic dose of probiotic that you're putting in you. So the second product is Zypan, which is mostly hydrochloric acid. It's an incredible product. It's got pancreatic enzymes and um, all kinds of stuff in it that, that Dr. Um, Royal Lee put together back in 1937. So this has been around a long time. So this will add acid to your gut. So the food will break down quickly, get out of your gut and won't cause acid reflux. Zypen is number two. Number three is Multizyme. And this is just like the title says, multiple enzymes to enable you. It's kind of like our lifelong energy enzymes, which is kind of Multizyme on steroids. But Multizyme is cheaper. So you might want to start off this way with Multizyme. And the fourth one is lactic acid yeast wafers, which will enables you to change the pH in your colon. So there's four things. I'm going to go over them real quick again. A good probiotic, you need a therapeutic dose of this, like 12 per day, maybe more, if you can afford it. Remember that ocean of microbiome inside of you, so as much as you can afford. Then you need Zypan to help you break down your proteins. Multizyme, which will help you emulsify your fats in a roundabout way, but it will do all kinds of different things. And then lactic acid yeast waivers for your colon and it will help break off old fecal matter in your colon also and turn it into lactic acid. So, so go ahead. Well, I just want to, I want to get into that free symptom survey and wrap this up. Okay. So we are, as we said at the beginning, we're giving away a free symptom survey to all pod, all podcast subscribers. And what this is, is this personalized survey that Mary is just talking about that you, you fill this out. It's nearly 200 questions, but it will target your symptoms. In other words, it will target the major areas of the body that are stressed or are weakened and need immediate attention. 
rather than just some blank here, drink this and it does everything. Well, we're, we don't believe that any more than I believe everybody should wear a nine size well, this shoe. Will, this will be personalized as personal for you as your fingerprints. Yes. So it saves you money in the long run. You're not buying supplements you don't need. Instead, we're going to suggest supplements that are particular to your symptoms and needs. So this is normally a $150 charge because it takes our nutritionists over an hour to personalize it. But since you guys have subscribed and let us talk to you once a week, we're going to give it to you for free. Oh, you can't beat a deal like that. And you have to realize, too, we, it, give us at least 48 hours, or hopefully less. We have to send you a username and password. And then after that, when we've established a, par- a patient-doctor um, relationship, then you can fill out the survey. So it's not an instantaneous thing. This takes a little bit of patience. We send you a username and password. Then we've established a patient-doctor relationship. And then we'll send you the, then you can fill out the survey. Right. And then when you fill out the survey and send it back in, at that point, there is still no charge up to that point. Yes. And give us 48 hours to hopefully get this turned around. If it's on a weekend, it might take us a little bit longer. So you go to forbiddendoctor.com slash survey. Yes. That's, that's the secret URL. Forbiddendoctor.com slash survey. That starts the process. And I'm telling you, you know, we won't ask for your credit card. No, we won't. It's free. Up, it's up, free. Up to us getting back your your symptomatic profile is totally free. If you want to well, do something after that, this. that's fine. It's not on our website. You can't go to our website and get the symptom survey. You have to be a podcast subscriber, and we have to give you this um, URL, forbiddendoctor.com slash survey. All right. That should do it. Okay. We'll see you next week, and we're going to continue on with the same train of thought. We're going to get into um, dementia. Yes, we're going to get into dementia and the the tie with uh, gastric reflux drugs. And you know what we ought to throw in next week, too? A little bit about Zika virus. Why don't we do that? Okay. Because I'm getting questions all over the place. Is this Zika thing a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. And we'll talk about it. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast with Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. It's our pleasure to join you on your health revolution and look forward to our quest for health together. Join us again next week for more health secrets and forbidden truths about self-healing. Until then, visit ForbiddenDoctor.com and enter your email to receive a special coupon for the Forbidden Doctor special scientific formula, our long-life energy enzymes. This custom-made one-capsule supplement is created from the most concentrated energy-stimulating enzymes. For more information, be sure to head over to ForbiddenDoctor.com. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.